0: You know what's funny is that we could curse all we want, but this is the most explicit thing that's ever been said
1: on our podcast.
0: My name's Monish, and I'm your main host. Welcome to Real Talk.
1: Music Let's Play
0: Vinod Kosla, Andy Bechtelsheim, Eric Schmidt, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates. These were the guys behind. Billion dollar companies
1: like Sun Microsystems, Google, uh, Microsoft, and Apple. All of these people are some of the massive names behind the personal computer revolution that started around January of 1975.
0: And Bill Gates, since founding Microsoft, this is ridiculous, makes more than a hundred dollars per second. That actually, that, that dude, that means that in the entire time it took you to watch Breaking Bad seasons one through five, we did the math here. Bill Gates. Made more than seventeen million one hundred and twelve thousand uh, dollars, dude. If I if I robbed
1: seven banks, I could not physically get that much. Bill money. Gates makes more money watching Breaking Bad than my entire family lineage will make ever. Hundred <laughs> percent, dude. Yeah. So Vinod, Andy, Eric, Steve, Bill, every single one of these people is a billionaire. But here's
0: the weird part. Of the five guys that we listed, here are their birthdays. Kevin, list them off.
1: January 28th, September 30th, April 27th, February 24th, and October 28th.
0: Now, that doesn't seem weird, but let's repeat the dates again
1: now at the year. January 28th, 1955. September 30th, 1955. April 27th, 1955. February 24th. 1955,
0: October 28th, 1955. Come on, come on, man. Every guy Vinod, uh, Andy, Eric, Steve, Bill was born in 1955. And, and you might have no idea what to make of that. But to understand why 1955 is so important, I need to explain something else. And it starts with the story of a guy. Cool.
2: Oh, can you guys hear me
0: okay? Can you see me? Yeah. At? Okay. So we have bars from you. Kevin, say something. Hello. All right. Sweet. We are good to go. Now, the first guy I heard, his name's Ted Gonder. And Ted is an average, right? He's the kind of guy that gets to go through airport security without taking off his shoes because he's been background checked by the FBI, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, I get tackled the second I enter the airport by TSA. But here's the thing, I'm sitting down with Ted because if you look at his professional life, this guy, this guy seems unbelievably lucky. But here's the question. Can you invent your own luck? Can you go from unlucky to lucky? Ted's story starts when he was a grumpy teenager and his mom made him go to a conference. Why did you think you were never gonna go to college? real quick? Well,
2: because I was a shithead, remember? (laughs) I didn't know. What, like, what's college? Like, my parents never talked about college. It was just this, like, big blank thing. So every day I would wake up and I'd go to class and I'd be like, for what? Like, what's this for? I don't know. I don't care. Like, I'm not interested in what people are talking about. I don't know why I'm learning this. I don't know where I'm headed. I don't even know what lies beyond this graduation thing everyone talks about. So what the hell is the point? And um, when I went to this conference, I think what was most, most powerful for me uh, just exposing students to, like, what their life can look like. What are the different crazy awesome routes that it can take? There were people at this conference that, like, worked in the White House that were, like, investigative journalists that were photographers and, like, for National Geographic. And they would just talk about their day-to-day. And there were things that they would say where I was like, wow, that's awesome. I didn't know that I could do that as an adult because, I don't know, my mom's a nurse and my dad's a computer. <clears throat> like, I didn't. I didn't wake up and look at what they're doing for a living and think, man, that's phenomenally interesting. I want to just do what they do. I never had exposure.
0: And after this conference, Ted got his act together. He went to college, and one day he noticed something.
2: So I'd go to class with these like Nobel Laureate, Ivy League-type professors, and then I'd like walk around this beautiful campus and hop on public transportation and go like four blocks away and see kids my age walking around with a brown bag full of liquor at like 10 in the morning. And, you know, you see currency exchanges for closed homes, abandoned cars, boarded up businesses. And you're just wondering, like, what's up with this inequity? And so we just thought that the, one of the simplest things we could do to make a difference would be to start a started a tutoring initiative focused on money topics.
0: That tutoring initiative became the company MoneyThink. And then one day, he took advantage of something.
2: MoneyThink, it's growing as this big student organization, uh, and we're working in like 30-something high schools. Then this opportunity comes around to apply for this White House award called the Champions of Change Award. And so we kind of just applied. I applied, I like wrote the grant application in a Starbucks at an airport for like 20 minutes one day and forgot about it. And then like three months (laughs) later- You didn't
0: give a shit. There's other kids out there who like basically spent months like refining their application, like thinking about it day and night.
2: (laughs) Well, no, I mean, uh, let me be clear. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There was no money attached to it and I knew it was super competitive. So frankly, I wasn't thinking like, Oh my God, this is my shot. Like, I was thinking, like, ah, it's the White House. It's like, way cooler people are applying. Like, mm-hmm. if I ever get a call, like, it's whatever. But I ended up uh, getting a call from an unidentified number, uh, like, three or four months later. And they're like, we've chosen a final 15. And in order to get to the top five and actually come out here, you've got to win this online voting contest. And so, for like a whole week, like, my friends, co founders, everybody involved, and I, Like, just dropped everything and drank Red Bulls and spammed everyone we knew to vote for this thing.
0: Of course, when he got the phone call, he had basically the average excitement of a teenage schoolgirl who just found $14 million worth of Hello Kitty memorabilia in the middle of her mom's garage.
2: Oh, I, like, lost it. I think I was hooting and hollering and uh, basically decided to just, like, not go to class for a week uh, and paid the consequences Mm -hmm. later, but you gotta do what you gotta do.
0: It's funny, because me and Kevin are like, I'm full, and then we won't go to class for a week.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: so, I'm tired. <laughs>
0: a few Red Bulls later, uh, Ted is locked in. He and his company, MoneyThink, get to go to the White House to try and win this competition and bring it back home. I asked him if he was nervous that day.
2: Oh, yeah. I was, like, super nervous. Like, you are just
0: shitting bricks.
2: Not bricks. No, it was, it was, it was definitely not that solid.
0: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is that we could curse all we want but this is the most explicit thing that's ever been said on our
1: podcast <laughs> let's
0: just really Yo. dive into the visuals here <laughs> then the day comes here's ted
2: the day of we were at the white house and we were all supposed to go on the stay on stage to speak about our work on national television and then do this whole thing with MTV beforehand they, they just had us in some waiting room uh, down the hall in the old executive office building uh, where the White House does a lot of its events and we're just sort of like standing around nervous to go on stage like what are we going to talk about it's so cool that we're at the White House and then like out of the corner of our eye like this like dark shadowy figure comes like it's like, uh, like we didn't even realize, I didn't, certainly didn't realize that the president had entered the room until he was like standing in <laughs> front of me, shaking my hand. And yeah. there's like an aura to this guy. Like, I think just standing next to him, there, it's like, there's like a super Saiyan element to the,
0: to <laughs> He's his, a Dragon stuff. Ball Z character. Uh, I am Goku.
2: Uh, <laughs> uh, let me yeah. be clear. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. am a Goku and
1: <laughs> uh, Come i out. He just blasts you guys with his Dragon Ball Z powers. Well, I
2: mean, that's he did. He really did. And, and, you know, I'm standing there shaking his hand and says, you know, where are you from? What are you working on? And I got a chance to talk a little bit about our work. And he said, well, where are you based? And I said Hyde Park. And he actually lives in Hyde Park. Like, his house is a few blocks away from where my dorm was. Like, he clearly cared about what was happening to, like, normal American people.
1: If you look over there... All the Republican listeners leaving
2: right now. (laughs) You, You
0: hear that? You hear that, Ted? That's all of our Republican fans just jumping off their balcony window. Ted met the president. I'll repeat it again. Ted met the president because Ted meets people, people who mere mortals like me, you, especially Kevin, who's due to die in at least 10 years, don't usually meet. What happens two years later?
2: So two years, uh, was it two? Yeah, it was about, wow, it was about two years. It's crazy how much can happen in two years. So two years later, um, I got an email and then a call from some representative at the White House saying the president is composing a an advisory council on issues of youth financial literacy and education. He was saying how they're forming this council and Wanted to see whether or not I was interested, no promises, just sort of like gauging interest. And I had to like keep a, keep a cap on it because I was like, yeah, of course I'm interested. Like that's, how, that's probably how it sounded. And uh, and he said, okay, well, as, as we move forward, we'll consider you and keep it in mind. And a month or two later, got another call. And so they put me through this whole process of talking to all these different officials in the Treasury Department uh, and – yeah, so I was officially appointed by the president to be on uh, one of many advisory councils. So he has all kinds of different advisory councils that basically source leaders from the real world, uh, not the re- but like this like non <laughs> non government. And then
0: uh, I-, I assumed he was sourcing it from like cartoons or
2: something. <laughs> yeah, right, <exactly. laughs> from an anime sourcing people from <laughs> second life.
0: Uh, no. life, he's no. got a team right. of second life robots who are just doing his work <laughs>
1: there's a couple, couple World of Warcraft characters in there so. <laughs>
0: there's a giant orc
1: working uh, in his we need body. a level 90 mage for this council
0: <laughs> now there's three possible options here that can explain why Ted is so lucky right, option number one Ted is just inherently lucky option number two Ted was so smart that he finagled his way into the White House. Option number three, Ted's sexual prowess is so incredible that Obama personally requested to shake his hand. But what if there was a fourth option?
1: So, realistically, there's no feasible way of me, or anyone else for that matter, planning out exactly how they're going to meet the president for whatever reason
0: there's um, no feasible way of you planning out anything kevin you piece exactly. of shit
1: <laughs> no i have an incredibly low iq and uh, <laughs> low social skills as well yeah there's no way that uh, monish you could have planned to meet your current um, girlfriend because you're not that cool at all you got yeah, so I'm, I'm gonna shit in your fucking coffee
0: <laughs> vino kosla andy Bitchlime, eric schmidt steve jobs bill gates these guys were insanely lucky but can you reverse engineer your own luck? Ted talks about it.
2: So I think that like something that helps people to be successful that is often under underestimated or undervalued is this idea of engineering serendipity, uh, mm-hmm. in, meaning that you can create a lot of the luck that you ultimately actually get exposed to in life. Um By putting yourself in certain situations, certain rooms, certain places, certain times, uh, where opportunities are abounding. So, uh, exposing yourself online through blogging and... Exposing
0: yourself online. I'll make sure to do that, Ted.
2: (laughs) Real talk. Ted Gondor exposes himself online. (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) Can we make that the quote? Exposing yourself online is the greatest way to succeed in life. (laughs) So, how do you meet President Obama? Here's Ted's take.
2: The way that I ended up going to the White House and meeting the president and all this cool stuff um, probably came out of small little efforts like that. Like when I met someone interesting at a conference, I'd be like, hey, you're interesting. We share a lot of similar beliefs and ideas. Who else do you know that I should connect with um, that might be interested in what I'm working on? And that kind of question over and over again over the course of a few years can lead you down some really interesting paths. And I, will, I swear to you, that is a better use of your time than like the extra 10 hours of studying that's going to take you from an A minus to an A.
0: The key to engineering your own luck is this idea called bulk positive randomness coined by technology entrepreneur Ben Kaznoka. And here's the idea. Essentially, I go to the Teal Fellowship Conference, which is basically Peter Teal, who's the first investor in Facebook, has a fellowship for all the losers (laughs) that didn't get the Teal Fellowship. I go to this conference. I meet Army. right? Uh, He's a clown. I hate that guy. Two years later, we don't talk. Then, we have a conversation. We're like, hey, man. I'm like, hey, man. I got got a podcast. And he's like, hey, man. You want to collaborate? And I'm like, oh, shit. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then, then we have another conversation. We're like, we need someone to banter with. We need a third guy. And I'm like, you know who would work really well? Not Kevin. Let's not have Kevin yeah. ever.
1: No, no. We send you to. I, but then, like after the first six choices, we're like, nah, man, fuck that. Then you were like, shit, ah, oh, fuck. But okay. we did. We got we got you in, and it was because I went to
0: that conference, right? That I mean, that's bulk positive randomness like I went to a conference there was tons of interesting people at that conference mm-hmm. and that that meeting army meeting a guy like army was essentially the domino that had to fall for something interesting like starting a podcast even happened in the first
1: place any any chance you get to like take advantage of any sort of networking scenario for example like college College is just a massive, it's a four-year-long networking event, right? And that's why college is so fucking awesome and why a lot of the the power of going to a university is not, you know, it's not the degree you're getting in the education, although it, of course, has value. But the cool thing is these interactions you have with awesome people that have the capability to generate awesome opportunities for you. Exactly,
2: and
0: the thing is, Bulk positive randomness dosed out all at once, like in a conference, or over time, over four years, like at college. Like, over time, though, like, these sources of bulk positive randomness, they compound, right? And the Mm -hmm. one thing about chance and luck that you can control is the number of at-bats you have, right? Like, even a weighted coin that's weighted toward failure, if you flip it enough, it flips on success, right? (laughs) Like, dude, if you are super bad at, you know, making... Uh, free throws, right? And you make three and you shoot 300 free throws, you're bound to make one. The second thing is that it has to be high quality and you have to act on it. it, it the quality of the randomness, like that matters, right? Like you can read Green Eggs and Ham or you can mm-hmm. read Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, right? Like the likelihood that an idea from Outliers will change your life and your thinking is exponentially higher than an idea from Green Eggs and Ham. Right. In fact, if you right. were to read green eggs and ham, you might get misinformation because you'd be like, green <laughs> eggs. Oh, eggs are green. And then you would die of some sort. Yeah. Of yeah. yeah, because you'd be wow, eating consuming. rotten eggs. Oh, I love these anthrax eggs. <laughs> are <they're> so good. <laughs> Dude, when I pitched to work for free for like that author, Ryan Holiday. First of all, I just stumbled on his writing, right? Like I was just reading blogs and I stumbled on his writing randomly, right? But I loved it and then I pitched him and then he said yes, right? And that that just doing that like opened up his network to a ton of authors right that's the thing you can't just expose yourself to randomness and then not act on it like mm. imagine if you have a book you don't read it right or you have a conference ticket and you don't go to it or you can you have a ticket to fly to a country and you don't go right the crucial point is that to make this all work, mm-hmm. you have to act on it in the first place. Music. Let's play. This brings us back to 1955. Vinod Kosla, Andy Buzzardfeed, Eric Schmidt, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates. And the big question, why were all these guys born in 1955?
1: Because in January of 1975, the Altair 8800, a personal computer, was featured in Popular Electronics. And it was basically a big piece of shit box with a bunch of blinking lights on it. And that big piece of shit box was one of the sparks that ignited the entire personal computer revolution. So where you were in your life when it was 1975 was exactly the type of thing that either helped or hindered the prospect of becoming a Silicon Valley billionaire. Like say you were 26 when it was January of 1975. You've got bills, a stable job at IBM, and a baby on the way. So when you're already working for a multi-billion dollar company, why would you think about getting into this new and unknown field of personal computing? It's just a risk you probably wouldn't take.
0: But what if you're too young, right? If it's 1975 and you're in high school, well, dude, you're focused on high school, right? High schoolers typically don't become entrepreneurs and enter new and risky marketplaces, right? But imagine it's January 1975 and you're 20 or 21, right? Just like Andy Blizzard Feast. If you were 20 in 1975, you could take advantage of the major economic shift that was personal computing because when you're 20, I mean, when you're 20, that's a perfect age where you can risk job security in favor of entrepreneurship because you have that kind of flexibility. And if you're 20 in 1975, do you know what year you have to be born in? That's right, 1955.
1: And to make it clear, we're not saying all Silicon Valley billionaires have to be born in 1955 uh, because that's just not even really true but being born in 1955 was huge for these guys because they were able to take advantage of this massive economic shift at the right time
0: because here's the truth we've been talking a lot about how to create your own luck right like a lot and and yeah you can put yourself in situations where it's more likely for good things to happen but being born in 1955 well sometimes you just get lucky When you started MoneyThink, did you have any idea that you would get to meet the
2: president? No, I mean it was like a pipe dream.
0: And when you met the president, did you think that you would be on his advisory council? Did you ever no did you way. predict that?
2: Absolutely not.
0: It's pretty cool, right? Yeah, I it's mean, pretty I, awesome.
2: I think it's so incredible. Like to think. I mean, I could. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's hard to say when you're still in college. But I'll bet you, you guys too. Like, in two or three years. If I were to ask you, hey, 10 years ago, when you were in like freshman in high school or an eighth grader, do you think you would be where you are today? And what, wherever you end up, you'll probably say, no way. I don't think that my life could have taken the turns that it's taken. I don't think that I could have met the people I've ended up meeting. And it's just unbelievable how life really unfolds more. It kind of, it, it unfurls and unfolds and unpacks itself. It's not so much of a like planning process that our parents and teachers make us think it is. A lot less is outside of our control than we think, but the way that we respond to the events that happen to us is always completely within our control, and um, that, that kind of, that was a breakthrough in my thinking, I think, that uh, uh, helped me sort of, it probably ended up helping me take advantage of opportunities that came up um, when they did, rather than trying to plot it all out from the beginning.
0: special thanks to Kevin for help with crafting, hosting, and editing this episode. Feedback was by Jared Sport, Kevin Sanji, and Justine Brum. Research is from the book Outliers and the Drunkard's Walk. Intro music is by Electric Mantis. Sign up for the email list at realtalkstudio.com slash insider. Again, that's realtalkstudio.com slash insider. And if you want us to answer a question on the podcast or even craft a story, sign up for the list. You'll get priority. You've been listening to Real Talk Decoding Growing Up. I'm Monish, signing off. This brings us back to 1955. V Node Kosla, Andy Buzzardfeed, Eric Schmidt, Steve Jobs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's so funny.
2: <laughs> All
1: right. <laughs>